Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 64 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and along with me, as he always is, is my good friend and good brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, glad to be here. We're, we're via satellite this week. Uh, scheduling didn't quite match up, but uh, it's our final week of our, our Justice League month here of July. I can't believe July's already over, quite frankly, but... Here we are with our, our last two episodes to talk about, those being A Better World, Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, uh, so this is a very, very important storyline to the Justice League, DCAU as a whole. There are threads and plot points that are laid out in this series season and well sorry in this episode specifically we talked about it before about some of the underlying plots plot points of season two that are laid out and then continue through uh regarding hawk girl and her star crossed ultimately her her spoiler alert for a 20 almost 20 year old uh (laughs) cartoon but spoiler alert her double crossed with justice league (gasps) gasp um yeah, but this episode specifically deals with points that are then later played out in my favorite season of Justice League Unlimited, which deals with the question and a whole bunch of other stuff, which we'll ca- cover once we get to Justice League Unlimited. But Liam, this episode is an important one to the DCAU. Yeah, it uh, it's funny because on the surface level, I think when it aired, it just kind of seemed like they decided to do sort of their own spin on like a crime syndicate type story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the, the evil version of the justice league from an alternate dimension comes to, you know, and they have a fight, but instead of doing the, the straight up the, you know, the Ultraman and owl man and all that stuff to make them sort of these, you know, almost exact same mirror images, save for this one, you know, this one event, these, you know, couple different events that set off this chain reaction that, changed everything and and sort of how close maybe our heroes could come to this uh obviously as you said it's, it's a huge theme it's the entire uh the entire uh basis for the the cadmus story arc in in that season of justice league unlimited so hugely important but yeah as, as it stands on its own it's it's very much just sort of this uh you know it's it's a pretty straightforward story overall yeah, we talked about that right before we went on the air. That it's um, it played out with a lot more happenstance, and <laughs> we'll get into the we'll get into the actual story here. Uh, we always ha- read the synopsis from IMDb for the episodes. Do you have that with you today? I do, in fact. Uh, I will start with the part one synopsis, and that synopsis reads as such. <clears throat> The Justice Lords, an alternate version of the Justice League, eliminate crime from their world through intimidation. But when Batman discovers a pathway to a parallel Earth, they decide to spread their brand of harsh justice across dimensions. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the part two synopsis, which reads as such. The League escapes from the Justice Lord's holding cells and heads to Arkham to rescue Hawkgirl. Batman appeals to his alternate self to turn against the other lords. The League crosses dimensions back to their Earth to retake control from the Justice Lords. Okay. Yeah, those seem to be pretty accurate. Uh, let's jump into plot to start. I mean, we already, I mean, you laid out the plot there pretty well. It's a, and you, you even in your brief description before, talking about how it's very similar to a crime syndicate story from the, whether it's the, I guess, Silver Age was when yeah. it came about, or then, you know, of course, they've been used ad nauseum ever since. But since then, um, it they did their own spin on it and being just straight up instead of being straight up evil bad guys that are trying to take over the justice league universe or to wreak havoc. Like you said, there is a bit of nuance to it. They have experienced tragedy on their earth and president Luthor killing the flash, which causes Superman to go off and decide that he can no longer stand by and just simply be the boy scout as it were. Which is interesting. We talked about this. Now, we had a similar, very eerily similar storyline way back in, in Dollar in the Bad episode, Jar Brave New Metropolis. But this has a bit of nuance to it because it includes more than just Superman. And I don't know. So my general thoughts were there's a lot of stuff that doesn't add up completely. If these superheroes were exactly the superheroes that they were up until this point where they deviate from this process. It's very odd to me that Batman and Wonder Woman both just go along with this. We talked about this actually in Brave New Metropolis, that Batman or any other superheroes would just stand by and allow Superman to take over without any sort of fight. And it's interesting because Superman kills Luthor within the first two minutes of this episode. And Batman's reaction is it had to be done. Yes, it's very... Sudden and and I mean they try to really hit home that like the Flash's death was I guess the moment where everyone kind of became more comfortable. But as far as we know, it wasn't like they killed all the other criminals and Luthor was the last one they were going after. Like as far as we know, this is the first time Superman crosses that line is murdering the president, who right. who is very clearly sort of gone insane and is potentially preparing to, you know, incite nuclear war or something. But uh, and he, and Superman feels he's left no choice. But yes, the fact that Batman and Wonder Woman uh, are so willing to uh, to just go right along with it, and then we immediately jump. What is it? Two years later, yeah. And we we see that uh, you know that everyone's everyone's on board as far as the the you know the remaining six, with the exception of the Flash, who is dead on their Earth, and everyone's. There's a little bit of like Hawkgirl and Green Lantern dialogue where they talk about how, you know, they don't like how the people are afraid of them and, and, and stuff like that. But kind of seems like everyone's real people hopped on the fascist train real quick in this world. <laughs> yeah, that was a little like plot holy to me. The reason for moving to the Our Justice League's universe two also didn't make a whole lot of sense like they're bored i guess yeah like oh we need to go help them what why right (laughs) wait 
like all of a sudden they go from our universe being this way. We need to teach them that this is the real, like, it's just a weird motivation. I don't know. And I guess that sort of is set up in that, you know, Batman has the line about how he's just been so bored with no crime that he creates this interdimensional gateway. And Superman is in what appears to be some, uh, a loveless marriage with Lois Lane. (laughs) And I actually really do like that scene with, uh, with, with him and Lois where she's just reading him the riot act and, you know, he's he's giving her a lot of uh, generic like uh, platitudes about, well, this is just temporary, and they're just gonna it's to keep everyone safe and all that, and how you know, still, still, even with the face of him no longer being afraid to kill or or being in charge of this fascist regime, she's still Lois Lane. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I agree. That was that was good there. Now, so I don't necessarily love the plot completely it's important like we already said because it plays an important role later on and it, we talked about when we did brave new metropolis it's hard not to compare this to brave new metropolis because it's such a very similar storyline yes but it's it's a fascinating concept of what happens when the most powerful beings on earth decide that they're going to be the government or they're going to take over or they need to be in charge and i just don't there were some good scenes in this. Like you said, the Lois and Superman scene are good. The Batman and Batman scene are good where Batman talks about when the justice Lords, Batman talks about how an eight year old boy will never lose his parents again. And that causes, even though it's, it's a ruse, Batman then decides to put down his weapons and surrender. Just, Great stuff because it's Kevin Conroy talking to Kevin Conroy. You get double <laughs> Kevin Conroy, double the Kate movement, double the Kevin Conroy. Yes. You know, you, great, tremendous. You couldn't ask for more. But I, I think that while there are some strong scenes, that there is a lot of areas that you just, with under the critical lens, you leave just kind of like scratching your head and like I don't understand, or that is just a little too convenient, or that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah. For that reason, for that reason, I uh, I gave plot six out of ten. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I also gave plot six out of ten. Okay. Um, yeah, some of the other notes are, uh, you know, Doomsday shows up. You know, oh. one of the most famous villains in the history of comics, certainly in the last thirty years. And he's just kind of like he's like discount Dark Side almost. He was a throw-in, and he there's no explanation for why he shows up on Earth, where he came from. Why he he jumped like he's he's from a clearly from another planet. He's an alien. He comes in encased in this asteroid, breaks out, can already speak perfect English, already knows what like nuclear weapons are like what. And and they retcon all of this later again in in JLU to say that like he was this Cadmus secret project and, you know, he was like they tried to send him into space on a rocket and he like damages the rocket. I don't know how the rocket turned into an asteroid, <laughs> but I don't know how that works, but they like, they try to explain that he was this, he was actually this experiment, but yeah, I mean, as it stands here, obviously we're, we haven't watched those episodes yet. And just watching this, imagine being a first time viewer watching this. And if you're familiar with doomsday at all from the comics, it's just such a weird characterization of him especially you know for the first time we've ever seen him Mm -hmm. uh in the dcau it was it was just very random and then yeah superman lobotomizes him and which we find out later on that he has apparently done to like every every criminal 
at least all of the Arkham criminals anyway. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, we, we were just kind of the part two is just, they, you know, the, the two teams fight and, and then Lex Luthor has his, uh, <laughs> we have some more science magic <laughs> and, uh, he uses his power disruptor to to stop the Justice Lords, and that's uh, officially the last we ever see of them. Good thing he had that weapon already created, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that I guess. Yeah, they, they didn't even explain what the weapon was supposed to be. We see him building it, I guess, at the beginning of part one. But and then he get he gets to use it at the end here, and of course, it's I a guess power it's disruptor. The ending. It's a power disruptor naturally, and it works on. It works on like Hawk Girl, whose wings are just like attached to her back. Is this, is it, is, did it like disable the muscles she uses to flap her wings? Yes, okay. absolutely. I don't know. I feel like I feel like if you if you hold this one up to the sniff test, it's not a great great ending. But obviously, it does end with Luthor being pardoned, and he you know mentions that he's thinking about getting into politics at the end of the episode. So mm-hmm. obviously, we know we know that story's not done yet, as we've we've already alluded to. But yeah, overall. It's it's an all right story. Some of the themes that they uh, approach are very interesting themes, um, but it's it's not. I don't think it's a great standalone story. Agreed. All right, let's move on to music. I don't have a ton to say um, other than <laughs> I felt felt like music could have been an effective plot device if there was a really memorable Justice Lords theme. I know they had sort of had one, but we go back to one of my main issues with Justice League, and that was that they never really established a Justice League theme. Like, no. you have the main title sequence, but that theme isn't really used as their theme in the show. And therefore, there wasn't something. There isn't. There isn't something memorable enough for you to remember that. Oh, this is the Justice League theme. So then, maybe that's why they had an issue with establishing something that was as memorable or s- comparable in a Justice Lords theme. So I, I don't know. I, I wasn't impressed by the music for this episode. Yeah, it, it very much hangs into the background. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's the Justice Lords theme, which which sounded a little bit to me like it is the justice league main theme just sort of played in like a a different key but yeah it's 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 pretty understated and then really most of the music throughout both parts is is pretty understated you get a i mean you get a, a little bit of like you know the wonder woman theme refrain that plays when when she's fighting uh, justice lord wonder woman but yeah for the most part it's uh it's it's pretty underwhelming so yeah i I gave music five out of ten ha ha so far we are two for two on on the exact scores here and just a reminder for the listeners at home we don't compare our scores we used to we no longer compare our scores correct and therefore and haven't for a very long time but somehow because probably because we're related we oftentimes will come up with similar scores similar tastes similar scores also five out of ten for the reasons already stated. All right, let's go and talk about what I think is probably the most interesting part of the episode, Liam, which is animation and visuals. Coolest part about this episode is that the design team got to design six brand new costumes for six out of the seven Justice Lords. Yes. We get to see 
Uh, we didn't even talk about it, I don't think, in the episode in, in Justice for All, but Lex Luthor's classic Super Friends suit is has been or Super Powers figure suit, which I guess was was used in Super Friends at some point when they did yes. the Super Powers yeah. action figure, like when they link those two together. Uh, but the classic green Lex Luthor suit is used in this. We have the visuals of really some unique designs, things that were obviously done to differentiate between who our heroes and our villain versions of the Justice League were. But there are some cool color schemes here. There's some things that I like, some things that I didn't necessarily care for about this. Uh, What were your thoughts on the Justice League redesign? Well, the Justice Lords design. I mean, I think all the designs are really striking. Um, They, I think they did a pretty good job as far as, uh, as as uh, as far as just making them look different, I almost thought maybe they should have been a little more uniformed, mm-hmm. like to really sell the you know the fashy uh, you know side of this. Well, I felt like they did that with they all have those like stripes on their wrists. That's and true. That's eggs. true. That's a good um, point. I mean, I I don't disagree with you that they're. I don't know. They don't necessarily. They don't necessarily look like, I mean, they're unique, but they, they do have that uniform, like stripe military, whatever type looking thing for it. But um, yeah, they could have, I mean, they could have been more uniform. Sure. I guess I would just say that's probably one of the things I would give credit to, uh, to Brave New Metropolis for uh, Dollar in the Bad Episodes jar is that I really liked the look of their, you know, dictator Superman in that, in that show. And uh, because it was so militant and, and to the point, these are still very much superhero outfits. And sure. I guess this this isn't quite the same because we see, you know, we see Superman talking to the president. So I guess this hasn't been a total, uh, you know, there still are at least sort of puppet governments around. So maybe that's part of it too, is they're still sort of, they still feel they're, they're doing the same thing they were doing. They were just taking it to the next step. So these aren't quite the, you know, they aren't, Superman is not the president of the world or whatever when we find this episode, even though very clearly, you know, all, all the nations of the world are sort of, uh, you know, bowing to them. Right. Yeah. I, that's where the nuance of this, this justice Lords, these justice Lords characters come in is that, and you, I almost wish they had been completely evil because at that point, I don't know. Yeah, he killed Luthor, but w- other than that, and obviously being a fascist, not right. not that's not in the good thing. So maybe I've answered my own question there, but they don't really allude to there being a whole lot of issues. Everything kind of looks like it's good. Like you well, know how well, it's, it's kind of when they when they when you start to squint at it, like when you know the two Batman see the guy getting arrested for complaining about his bad service at a restaurant like it's well he was (laughs) yeah he was kind of a jerk (laughs) but uh he maybe he deserved he deserved to be arrested um but uh no but yeah there's there's certainly there's there's certain cleanness to it the you know the utopian vibe to it that they i think they wanted to present they didn't present it present or present the justice lords as as we said as, as straight up evil these are people that went through certain traumas and that informed their decisions and they feel like they're doing, they're still doing the same job they were doing before. They're just, again, just sort of taking it to the next level. 
Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I as as really visuals, like, though, though. Yeah, sorry, back to the visual part of things. Uh, I Yeah, I, I really liked the designs. I appreciate the fact that they adapted the Batman Beyond bat onto the Justice Lords Batman. It looks yeah. very much like the Batman Beyond costume, except for the cape. Um, uh, Superman's costume, I like that the gloves have been added. That, that was a cool touch. Uh, I, I wish they had done away with the cape. That would have been... I think, like you said, having having that look from Brave New Metropolis versus this one, Brave New Metropolis costume all day. Like, yeah. taking that one 10 out of 10 times over this the Justice Lords costume. That's not to say that this one doesn't look cool. The white, though, leads you to believe that there's like, oh, well, you know, there's a re- he, he still sees him. Maybe the, the point is he still sees himself as a superhero or as, as the hero of the story. And that's the point. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that and they just like the white. <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> it was a different, different way to go. Um, Green Lantern. This is the first time we see Green Lantern bald. Yes. No explanation as to why he decided to start shaving his head, but he's bald here, which of course would, he would adapt later on uh, on our world or in the DCAU world in justice league unlimited. We get Shira in her, what helmet that she would ultimately use in Starcrossed. Yes, it's more Sanagarian than it appears. Sanagarian warrior helmet. And Wonder Woman decided to grow a mullet. <laughs> Without any explanation. Yeah, she uh she, she has a Donna Troy vibe going on too with her with her Good costume. Bit. A little bit, that, yeah. Uh, Wonder Girl, I guess. I guess maybe more Wonder Girl, yeah, like Teen Titans eighties, not the yes. black costume that she had, but like that, yeah, like the George Perez era, t- t- new Teen Titans. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, there's some there's some good things. I felt like Martian Manhunters is just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's a big collar. I thought it was a hood at first, but it's just a big collar. Uh, he went. He went full full big collar on. on <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Martians. They don't read each other's minds because they can't and they don't, which doesn't make any sense. And also, <laughs> they wear big, gigantic collars. They're all about the collars. That's that's what we know. <laughs> they can create any sort of clothing out of their skin, but they choose giant collars. <laughs> so maybe that's like high fashion on Mars. Possibly, possibly. Um, one other thing that I didn't mention that was I thought was a cool Easter egg was the that was a, maybe plot or just a cool Easter egg was the code that Batman used to break himself out. Did you catch that? Yes, it was a it's, it was nine nineteen thirty nine, yes. right? Which would be yeah, no, that that was a, that was a, what to those at home that wouldn't catch that. that would, that would be the, the first appearance of the Dark Knight in Detective Comics number 12. Oh, so you mean we're coming up on the 80th anniversary of that? Yes, very soon, in the month of September. I wonder if we'll do anything to, uh, to mark that. I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. But yeah, so that, that was a neat little, yep. little Easter egg. Other than that, okay, back to scores. Let's get let's get to this. Uh, visuals, sorry, <laughs> I got off on tangent. Visuals, very good, very strong. Um, I, I think that for what they what they needed to do. It was good to see some of the classic Batman villains back again. Poison Ivy, Joker, Scarface was in there too. Had a I love that the, the puppet had the Labani scar. It, that that was pretty good. I feel like there were, there may have been a commentary where they talked about that. Or yes. Something. 
And I remember on the commentary, they also mentioned that all of the robot Superman dialogue was ripped from actual Superman dialogue from season one. <laughs> uh, tremendous. That's great. That's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the only other visual thing I wanted to mention is uh, we get to see, I think, as far as I know, for the first time, we get to see Wonder Woman throw her tiara. Oh. And it's awesome. I, 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 I geeked out. I had forgotten about that. And when I saw it, I was like, that's cool. Yeah, that was a cool, cool moment. I had forgotten about that. Um, yeah, I gave I gave my final score for visuals and animation a strong eight out of ten. Yeah, I'm writing that ballpark seven out of ten. So completely different this time. Completely different. First uh, disagreement alarm, maybe. No, definitely. <laughs> that thing's definitely dust. That thing's getting some dust on it. It's been a while. Yeah, it's that's fine. I the less I have to add in when I'm editing, the better. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our final category, Liam, which is going to be our voice actors. Uh, we have a strong cast of re- returning characters. We also have a couple of the old classics in minor roles, like Mark Hamill makes appearance as Joker and the guy that gets arrested for complaining about his food. True. Uh, Diane we- Pershing as Poison Ivy. Yeah. We also had, of course, Dana Delaney has a couple of lines as Lois Lane. But uh, main cast is pretty much just our normal normal cast. Was there anybody else that I missed that was a? Uh, I mean, Clancy Brown is uh, has a pretty big role in this episode. Obviously, sure. uh, um, we had a we had Michael Jai White playing Doomsday, uh, who okay. people may know as the live action Spawn from nineteen ninety seven. Oh, and also he currently plays the Bronze Tiger on uh, the Arrowverse shows. So. Uh, did he die yeah. in that i feel like he died he died but he uh, he's back he was on like the most recent season so i think they said like he faked his death he's something. back baby <laughs> he's and, you know people don't people don't die on super you know there's multiple earths and stuff i i don't know but he's he's back anyway someone's but, uh, yeah, he, on Earth. yes but uh but uh yeah so other other than michael J. white though and as you mentioned some of our, our returning uh uh, actors from other shows it's it's pretty much just everybody else in the cast with the exception of michael rosenbaum is is pulling double duty as both their you know their justice league part and their and their justice lord part i would say double duty kind of go ahead sorry go ahead no go ahead yeah so it's just uh kind of yeah it's just sort of double duty uh right right down the list of the of the main seven with the exception of michael rosenbaum yeah, I would say that the best performance goes to Kevin Conroy. No, no shocker there. <laughs> he is really great. And as I already mentioned before, that scene between Justice Lords Batman and Our Earths Batman is really, really good. And they have some some snippy dialogue as they ride along in the Batmobile later on. And uh, every time, and even when he's first captured and they're kind of going back and forth, there's a, there's a, a, a good bit of dialogue there between the two of them. Really good stuff and really appreciate it. I think that the, to me, the weakest performance is going to have to go to somebody that was featured the most, who we actually gave some kudos to the last couple of weeks, and that was George Newbern. Mm-hmm. I thought he, I did not appreciate his performance this time. I felt like he was robotic and not just when he was playing the robots i felt like there was a real (laughs) lack of emotion at times and he needed to be a little more emotional in 
the scenes that he played Justice Lord Superman, especially if he's trying to... Like, I get it, he needed to be a more sinister version of Superman, and I think that comes across it sometimes, but I think there was other times where... Like, the scene with Lois where he needed to... I don't know. I, I feel like there should have been more emotion in expressing why he was def- like defending what he was doing, what he was doing. And it just yeah. came off a little more robotic to me. Um, other than that, I think everybody else does a, a fairly good job. So I gave voice acting a very strong, actually, based on Kevin Conroy's performance alone. I give it an eight out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went, I went nine out of 10. Uh, I mostly Different. really enjoyed this. I, I did think, that uh, George Newbern was was not at his best here, but I would say that his one line at the end, when when it's revealed that that he you know he tells real Superman tells him that Luthor is getting a pardon in exchange for helping them, and he just l- kind of loses it and yells, "Everything he does from this point on is all on you." And I thought that was a really good line, and it, I thought it was delivered really well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. There could have been a little more nuance in it, and and. Uh, Again, that's that's sort of uh, maybe part of because of the way the plot was structured and just kind of moved from from set piece to set piece so quickly. But uh, yeah, as you as you've already gone over the the two the Kevin Conroy scene is great. I think my favorite part is while standing in complete shadow, Justice Lord Batman is is lecturing Justice League Batman about needing to step into the light. I, um, which goes into visuals as well. But I thought Kevin Conroy's delivery of that was was excellent as well and. And then yeah, I, I liked I liked we get we get a little bit more of the Green Lantern Hawk Girl uh budding romance in, in this two parter and uh we see that both in the Justice Lord versions and in the Justice League versions, with obviously Green Arrow being very concerned for her as she's been injured and and hesitates to uh attack the Justice Lord version of her uh, at the end of the episode. So good character development there. I thought I thought Philomar and then Maria Canales did a nice job and then I think Michael Rosenbaum is really good as well. I thought that was maybe maybe the best part of it was was the back and forth at the end between uh, Justice Lord Superman and and Michael Rosenbaum and Michael Rosenbaum's Flash as he's the Flash is sort of telling him like I'm I'm the last piece of your conscience you can't you can't kill me and and uh, Justice Lord Superman just like eh. yeah I can <laughs> yeah that, I, I th- that was a strong that was strong I you, <laughs> you're right I think Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum really came into his own. We haven't had too many episodes other than maybe the Dr. Destiny episode where he's had a lot of time or opportunity to yeah. flex that muscle. And I, I think you're right. He does a good job in this episode. And, and the interaction between hit, uh, Flash and, and Justice Lord Batman at the beginning of part two is also really good. And I do just love the idea that of all people, the Flash is the one who uh, managed to outsmart Batman. That's a pretty cool little... <laughs> there. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I think that brings us to our final scores, Liam. Uh, indeed, it does. And my final score is a pretty strong uh, twenty-seven out of forty. So, kind of a middle of the road episode, which maybe I didn't expect as far as scores go. Anyway. Yep, and because our scores were almost exact, uh, except in the final two categories in which I was one below you on one and you were one below me and the other, our final scores are exactly the same, (laughs) which is a score of 27 out of 40 for me as well. 
So we always talk about our rewatchability. I think that this is a no-brainer. This is a must-watch based on the fact that it's such yes. a pivotal part of Justice League Unlimited. If you are watching this through, if you plan on watching Justice League Unlimited, then you need to watch this episode <laughs> just so that you understand. I mean, they go into depth as to what that is. But if you want to know why the question is so obsessed with Superman is Superman is Superman is Superman, then you need to watch this episode to understand why. Yes. It's, it's, it's incredibly integral to the, the, the foundation of that, of really the, the entire, almost the entire rest of the DCU from here out. I will just make a note. If you, as a listener are interested in a follow-up to this justice Lord story, cause we never got like a direct follow-up in the cartoon. Uh, the, the, uh, Kyle Higgins' uh, Batman Beyond 2.0 comic that uh, came out in, uh, maybe three or four years ago now uh, did an entire arc that was basically the idea of the Justice Lords coming back and fighting the the future Justice League, the Justice League Unlimited, with uh, you know with Terry sort of at the, at the main uh, at the center of it all and, and dealing with the return of the Justice Lords. So I would recommend that if you just I think I I think it was just called Batman Batman Beyond 2.0 Justice Lord beyond or something like that so uh, look into that if you if you if you're interested in a little bit of a follow-up i know it's probably not official uh dcau canon but it is a pretty good story and it's it's clear that when it was when it was made it was done by people who had uh you know a great deal of respect and love for the dcau continuity and, and wanted to wanted to tell a good story so definitely recommend checking that out by uh by kyle higgins if you get a chance good times good good thoughts liam uh, that's why he's the DCAU review Twitter guru because all week long he's putting out stuff like that on our Twitter page. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, by the way. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Twitter at DCAU review. You get updates for when the new episodes are coming up. Updates, Liam. I know you probably already you have already announced it on Twitter, but for the listeners that haven't followed us on Twitter, uh, why don't you tell them what we're going to be doing for the month of August? Yes, for the month of August, as I've announced on Twitter, as you mentioned, we will be covering Batman Beyond. We're going back there. It's It's been a while. It's been almost, uh, I think, over six months now. We did some at the beginning of the year, but it's been a while. We, uh, we're picking up right where we left off, just like with Batman the Animated Series. We do, uh, we do Batman Beyond in order. So we're going to be finishing up Season 1 and, I guess, breaking into the first couple episodes of Season 2. I'm excited. Super excited about that, as we mentioned when we cover those episodes back in February or March, whenever that was. It is the 20th anniversary of Batman Beyond. Always cool, cool to dig into the futuristic Batman, different vibe, if you will, regarding Batman and the older, of course, Bruce Wayne mentoring Terry McGinnis. Uh, and, and, of course, we're going to get some of those cool rogues uh, that we haven't been introduced to yet. We get another Blight episode in there that we're going to cover. So very, very excited. Curare is coming up. We're very excited. Uh, a lot of great, cool original villains that they've created that uh, we're going to get to cover in the next month or so. So very excited about that. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thank you for listening. I'm Cal, and we will talk to you on next week's episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.